This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. First off, it's free, 100% free. There's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or your computer. It couldn't be easier. Anchor will then distribute your podcast for you. So it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. And you can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Hey, what's up, everybody? Chris Trapasso here from CBSSports.com, and you are listening to a mobile version, mobile recorded version of the Prospect Podcast. I am not much of a runner, but the social distancing has led me outside. It's about maybe 40 degrees. There's a little rain. Feels refreshing. Took a little jog today around the town. And if you hear any cars in the background, that is because I keep it real. You're getting a real podcast here from my phone. My iPhone headphones actually this time. You're going to hear some cars going by. I'm going down the main drag here in the town that I live in. Um, But hopefully that will not distract you um, from what I want to talk about in this podcast. The last one talked about my free agent uh, thoughts on it was probably the second or third day of free agency. Um, just the picks that I lo- or the signees that I liked, what I didn't like today. I'm going to go back to the draft because I assume that the majority of you come here for NFL draft analysis and just my thoughts on this upcoming draft class, which it's a month away. Like it's still on pace to be or set to be April 23rd through the 25th. I think it's going to be cool. And not, we're not going to lose a lot from the whole studio setting. I mean, that's we're going to get instant analysis from Rich Eisen and a lot of those guys. And we're going to get probably get Team War Rooms cameras in all 32 rooms. Maybe the GMs, maybe a scout, maybe the owners are going to announce the picks. I'm fine with that. Um, yes, it is a spectacle, and it was probably going to be a major spectacle in Las Vegas. But I think it'll be fine. I'm just glad that it's happening. I think the ratings are going to be through the roof because everyone is freaking out not having sports, including yours truly. Although during draft season, I don't really watch a ton of other sports. I'm really tuned in to the NFL and the draft in general. But I've been rambling now. I'm going to get to this podcast, which is my favorite deep sleepers in this draft class. I tweeted this um, the other day on, uh, I think, uh, it's, I don't even know the days. I mean, that's what this whole coronavirus is doing i'm sure i'm not the only one that doesn't know what day it is like saturday or something i tweeted this i'm going to start with um so these are my favorite deep sleepers in this draft class i'll start with arkansas defensive lineman mctelvin Agim. Agim, Agim. i'm pretty sure it's Agim. mctelvin Agim. uh just to get it right all together um i think he's very similar to ohio state's 
and now current Denver Broncos defensive lineman, Draymond Jones. And I was a huge fan of Draymond Jones uh, two years ago. If I remember correctly, did not have a great combine, but looked super fluid in his hips and his ankles um, when he was coming into the league and was a premier pass rusher. Got washed out against the run a lot, had kind of a sleek frame for the defensive tackle spot, almost looked like a, a bulkier defensive end playing inside. That's the exact same vibe I get with McTelvin Aguin. He was a late add to the Senior Bowl, and I remember the last day of practice in Mobile this year being like, who is that guy that keeps winning those one-on-one reps? I don't know any Arkansas guy. Late add to the Senior Bowl and really look the part in practice in those ever-important one-on-one drills, at least relative to everything else that goes on at the Senior Bowl. I don't think he's going to be... It's like he's kind of the opposite of the predominant or the the classic day three defensive lineman that most of those guys are like good run stuffers. Um, they're strong, they're big, they're wide, but they really don't bring it as pass rushers. I think McTelvin again, Aguim is perfect for the modern-day NFL that... He might be a 20 to 30 snap per game player, and he's just coming on the field to rush the passer. He has good handwork, good burst off the snap, good length. Um, I, I'm a really big fan of him. If, if you can get him in the fourth or fifth round, I think we'll look back in a few years and say, man, like this guy is niche in what he does, but it's what he's doing is very valuable. I'm going to try to go through this relatively quickly because I just wanted to get another podcast out now that we are really in the thick of NFL draft season, and I'm getting close to my house. Um, Next guy, Tulane wide receiver, Darnell Mooney. If you follow me on Twitter, you've seen me tweet about him a few times. He was a late watch for me post-combine because I saw 438-439 um, and, and had to watch this guy. He's 5'10", 176 pounds, so he's not big, he, but he does remind me a lot of Tyler Lockett. That, and I feel like I, I, maybe I talked about him on either a radio spot or another um, – one of these prospect podcasts, but just to bring him up again, just you see the speed. He's got great burst off the snap, pretty good wiggle. Uh, yeah, short arms, tiny frame. He's going to get overmatched by some physical corners in the NFL, but really plays to that four three eight speed. And he reminds me of Tyler Lockett in that he's got some twitch to him. He can create separation, and he just also can make those impressive circus catches, body contorted, high points where he plays a lot bigger than five foot ten. So he's probably a fifth, sixth, seventh rounder um, that has sub four four speed. Um, did not play in a high volume offense, but did account for a, a good percentage um, of the passing yardage at Tulane, especially earlier in his career. Um, Darnell Mooney, remember that name when he gets picked late in the draft. Uh, I think he's going to be a good, again, a niche player, but in the right system with the right quarterback, offensive coordinator, I think he'd be a good player. Uh, next guy, Ball State offensive lineman Danny Pinter. Um, now that I'm going through this, I feel like I, I talked about some of these guys. Maybe I already did like another sleeper podcast. But just to refresh, Danny Pinter played tackle at Ball State. Um, I think he has kind of, not the exact same, but kind of the same feel as like Joe Thune, Tooney Thune, whatever it is for the Patriots. I always, I should know that, like living near Buffalo and having the Bills play the Patriots twice a year, but whatever. Uh, at NC State, Joe Thune was um, just rock solid in pass protection. 
tested through the roof at the combine. That's kind of how I feel about Danny Pinter. Now he's coming from the Mac at Ball State, and he's going to have to move positions in the NFL. But Thune was a guard at NC State, played in the S- in the ACC against Clemson, Virginia Tech, Florida State. Um, so it, I don't think Pinter's going to come in and be a stud right away like Thune was. Um, and I don't know if Danny Pinter is going to ever be a franchise tag candidate and ultimately get franchise tagged by a team. But when you look at the athleticism of a truly a, of an NFL tackle, a little bit smaller size, great balance, and he's a pass blocking specialist, and that's what you need to be today. So Danny Pinter would be my next guy. Um, the next player, and I have four more after this, and I'll speed through these because I'm getting very close to my house. I believe both of my daughters are just waking up from their nap. Um, Ole Miss edge rusher Kadir Shepard uh, had no sacks last season. And when I first turned on the film, I saw just incredible burst off the line of scrimmage. Um, bend, really powerful hands at times, good bull rush. An occasional pass rushing move with his hands, not a ton, but really just the raw, like truly raw athleticism that you want to see from a day three pick. Um, I don't know how he did not have a sack last year. He had two uh, tackles for loss in the few games that I watched from him to start and then going through his schedule, I saw him getting a lot of pressure and just playing with an extremely high motor that's not just, oh, he plays hard, but he's not really explosive. I'm talking like 100 miles per hour uh, on every play. So he's someone, he's like 6'3", 240, 250, um, stand-up outside linebacker that can rush the passer, Kadir Shepard from Ole Miss, day three guy that I really like. Just watch this next player, wide receiver from Virginia, Joe Reed. And I was blown away, honestly. To see six foot and 224, he ran sub 4.5, doesn't play that fast, um, had good broad jump, good vertical. And then you watch his film, and he looks just like Debo Samuel, making defenders miss, bouncing off tacklers, um, just staying on his feet in really any given situation. Definitely a short underneath target occasionally will hit um you know a a dig route or or a deeper slant at the intermediate level but for the most part he's a niche guy underneath and that's kind of the theme that a lot of these players are niche in what they can do in the nfl but if you want really a running back and a receiver's label uh joe reed from virginia i think he's going to be a yards after the catch specialist in the nfl and every team today needs that Underneath option, you can throw him three or four bubble screens a game. You can get him a drag route on an RPO or a slant on an RPO and just let him go to work. I mean, a lot of cornerbacks and safeties and even linebackers in the, in the NFL today have problems tackling six foot and 224. That's very close to LaVisca Chenault, who is outstanding after the catch. He's 6'1, 227. So, similar body mass index for those two players. Uh, Joe Reed, you see under 12 yards per catch, and you go, oh, he's just catching a bunch of bubble screens, and it was all schemed production. Well, it, that's true to a certain degree. Um, you see him making guys miss at, at Notre Dame, um, in the ACC, the be- like some of the better competition that they face, Florida State, in the bowl game, uh, Joe, which was against Florida, Joe Reed was like leaving Florida defenders whiffing at air and bouncing off a lot of their tackle attempts. So Joe Reed, I don't know where he's going to go, because to run four four seven at six foot two twenty four when he doesn't look that fast, you would think that that could push him maybe to third or the fourth round. 
but this receiver class is ridiculously loaded. So I could see him fourth, fifth, sixth round um, and, and just ultimately being with the smart offensive coordinator that's not going to ask him to get down the field or run a ton of different routes um, will get the most out of him. You do see, though, and this is the last thing I'll say on Joe Reed, um, that he can run some intricate routes. Like He's not super stiff. Just is not super explosive off the line and down the field. Um, and really, on a lot of the routes at the intermediate level or downfield, he just wasn't really targeted. A few times I did notice the ability to contort his body and, and, and make some high point catches. Not going to dominate in that area at his size and, and without crazy leaping ability. But I just think Joe Reed's a really good wide receiver. He does a lot of the things well that are needed from a modern-day wide receiver in the NFL. Three more guys. Josiah Scott from Michigan State. Um, red in sub four five. He's smaller. He has the body of a slot receiver, but played on the outside. He is the best tackling cornerback in this class. And I mean, aggressive ability to get off blocks, which like under five ten, under 200 pounds with shorter arms. That's not easy to do. And you don't see that very often from uh, cornerback prospects at that size, but is like super assertive getting off blocks and just wraps up. Like he lays the lumber to a certain degree, but he's not always looking for that highlight reel hit, just wraps up very well um, and does deliver a good pop. Um, I saw him get beaten down the field a few times, but did have the ability to recover with that speed. Finds the football um, on comebacks, on dig routes, on the intermediate level, is aware when the ball is arriving. Uh, I think he's someone that, again, he's, uh, maybe if you put him into the slot, he might not be twitchy enough to be a solid slot corner, but if a defensive coordinator doesn't get too worried about his lack of size and lets him play on the outside and maybe occasionally comes into the slot where he is facing bigger receivers, I think he plays bigger than his size. He's an outstanding tackler. He's going to be a force when your defense has to deal with those bubble screens, with the swing passes to running backs, with the, the pitch plays to the outside. Um, just a really big fan of Josiah Scott from Michigan State, who's getting like zero love in this pretty deep cornerback class. There's Jeffrey Akuda and then a ton of really good corners that are going to be picked from like pick 20 to pick 60. I have no idea where Josiah Scott's going to go because there's not a lot of buzz about him, but his combine checks out, his film to me checks out. One of the better, more unique cornerbacks in this class. Um, North Dakota State edge rusher Derek Tuska um, had a really good combine, had one of the best edge rusher combines, and that's he was one of the few that was brave enough to go through all the drills. Um, his three cone was under seven seconds. Um, I, I like how on film, and, and it's a little difficult to evaluate these smaller school players because he's not facing ACC or SEC tackles. Um, but I like how on film he has a pass rushing plan that he's not just instantly going into a grapple and then trying to bull his way to the quarterback. Um, swim move, swipe move, spin move. Uh, counter to the inside off his speed rush. I did see the ability to bend. I think that matches with him running a uh, three-cone time under seven seconds. He's not Von Miller around the corner, but he can bend a little bit, can dip. Um, he's just, to me, when you see high-level production, small school, you see a great combine, that's a fifth or sixth-round edge rusher that you're hoping can be a sub-package guy for you. Needs to get stronger, needs to get bigger for sure. Does not have much of a bull rush that I think is going to threaten offensive tackles at this point in the NFL. But all the pass rushing moves and the athleticism, you pick that in the sixth, fifth or sixth round, like I said, and 
you hope that you can use him as a pass rushing specialist. And in a few years, maybe you don't even re-sign him to a second contract, but you get three or four quality years from him in a niche role. He's your third or your fourth defensive end edge rusher. Um, I think Derek Tuska can be one of the better value picks in this draft class. I like the edge rusher group. It's not great, um, but it's solid. I think he could be one of the better ones. Not going to say Max Crosby-esque because he had a really good rookie season. I think Crosby was more explosive as an athlete, had longer arms, um, was bendier, but similar type where we kind of forget about him. Could go earlier than I'm saying now. I didn't expect Max Crosby Max Crosby to go as early as he did. Um, and then we'll say in a few years, like Max Crosby, that Derek Tuska is one of the better value picks in this draft class. And the last player, and I'm at my house, um, Louisiana Tech safety, Legereus Sneed. He ran sub 4-4 at the combine. He's small. He and uh, Amik Robertson um, both like are these bulls in like a mouse's body. They're tiny, but they play so much bigger than their size. Very assertive coming downhill. You like the production in his career. He plays, to me, uh, to his speed. I'm not going to call him Darnell Savage, who kind of was a super late riser, went in the first round, flashed early as a rookie for the Packers, and then kind of cooled off. Um, but a similar type player that just let him be a bullet around the field and hit people. He's pretty good in coverage, too. Um, he's not Malik Hooker. He's not Earl Thomas. Um, but I think he can do enough for you with his range to be a quality fourth, fifth, sixth-round pick. You love the speed. You love his tackling ability. Yes, he's going to get engulfed by some bigger blockers. Um, but Legereus Sneed, like when all the top safeties are gone and your team's like, man, my team really needs a safety, what are they going to do? Hope that they pick Legereus Sneed because I think he's an overachiever given his size and the school that he's coming from, not a traditional power. Um, Amik Robertson, his teammate's probably going to go ahead of him, who's a slot corner, um, super feisty, super productive. But Legereus Sneed, the other Louisiana Tech defensive back, I think can also be a really good NFL player um, that's going to get picked most likely on the third day of the draft. All right, so if this was kind of a, a regurgitation of, of – uh, podcast I did a few weeks ago. Um, I apologize for that, but I was on the run during coronavirus, social distancing, and I'm back at my house. Wanted to maybe get to two of these per week over the next 30 days as we get to the 2020 NFL draft, hopefully on April 23rd. Uh, I was going to say in Las Vegas, but it's going to be fully studio-based, and the ratings are going to break records. So I appreciate you for listening. I'm Chris Trapasso. This was the Prospect Podcast. For the one standing guard. For the eagle-eyed, for the knights in shining armor, and for all those who support them, we are Granger, your experienced safety partner, offering supplies and solutions for every industry, committed to helping keep your facilities safe and your people safer. Call, clickgranger.com/safety, or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.